RadioInfluence.com. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Oh, it is the month of October. Or do we call it the month of Locktober? How many locks will we have for underdog purposes? Here on Three Dog Thursday, the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to college and pro football underdogs. Great to be back with you. Great to come into this program on a roll. More on that in a second. First, here he is, senior handicapper and writer, Vegas Insider. Back with us as we flip the calendar is Kevin Rogers. Good to have you. How you feeling? Feeling pretty good. You know, now we're getting into October. Obviously, you know, a lot going on with NHL underway, Major League Baseball playoffs underway, NBA is going to start in a few weeks, pro and college football. So it is very busy. Yeah, there is no doubt there's a lot to keep up uh, up with and keep track of. Uh, but clearly, uh, we love to focus on the football for this time of the year. And also clearly, oh, I hear it a little bit there in the background. I'm going to take a little bit of a bow. Three for three on underdog selections last week. Kevin Rogers also two for three last week. You know, we kept talking about no East Coast bias, at least in college football picks that we had. I had Wazoo straight up to win the game last Friday night with USC. We got that one. Uh, you had Colorado against the other L.A. team, UCLA. They covered. I had Northern Illinois who found a way to cover at the, uh, at the end of that game with San Diego State. We went three for three with the West Coast teams before we even hit the NFL weekend where you got Carolina and I got the Jets a good week last week, Kevin Rogers. Yeah, it worked out really well, you know, at least from my standpoint with Carolina. You know, I said last week about them, you know, first time as a road dog, and we know how bad New England's defense has been. And, and for as much as Cam Newton has struggled, I guess the only medicine he can take is facing the New England defense, and, and he'll get better. And, uh, you know, Carolina blew that two-touchdown lead. Patriots came back like they always do, but the Panthers went down, kicked the game-winning field goal, got the outright win. So that was pretty good. You know, a lot of underdogs continue to cover in the NFL, and that's just something we have to keep an eye on moving forward to see if that trend continues. Well, we try to figure some of these things out, but go figure the Panthers just being pasted at home by Drew Brees and company the week before in Charlotte, where Brees threw it all over them. And look, Tom Brady threw it all over them as well, but... Uh, they they go to New England, and I think most people are shocked. You were on it. You believed that they were going to keep it close. If not win, they were getting nine points. But, I mean, th- those two things don't jive. That Carolina team against New Orleans did not look like the Carolina team against New England. Maybe they maybe they bowed their back and played up more to the competition on the road at Foxborough. What do you make of that? It's the NFL. I mean, you've been around it for a long time. I followed it for a long time. And I hate to say it that way. But, you know, when you look at it, I, a lot of these teams are really the same. They are. And it's just about who's going to be more consistent down the stretch and, you know, who's more consistent to win X amount of games to get in the playoffs. And then you kind of go from there. I mean, we saw what happened in the Super Bowl. The Patriots were dead and buried, and, and somehow they came back and won that game against the Falcons. But, you know, for the most part, every week you say, all right, this team looked good last week. This team looked awful last week. They're playing each other. The team looked awful is probably going to play better. The team that looked really good probably won't. I mean, we saw that a few weeks ago even with the Rams against the Redskins that 
The Rams blew out the Colts. The Redskins lost at home to the Eagles. Washington goes out to the West Coast, and, and they won that game at L.A., and that's the only loss the Rams have had so far. But, you know, th- those are kind of things that you look at in the NFL because the talent gap is just so narrow. This isn't college football where you say Oklahoma's playing Utah. Are they going to cover? They're going to win, but are they going to cover? You know, where NFL, you don't even know if these teams are going to win the game outright. You know, the same thing with New England. And we saw with Atlanta last week against Buffalo. Yep. They're not even winning these games outright. They're, I mean, they're losing these games because the Bills are good enough to hang in a one-game scenario with the Falcons, just like Carolina's good enough to hang with New England. This team two years ago was 14-0 with two weeks to go. So, you know, they're not a bunch of schleps out there. I mean, they're a pretty good team. I mean, I think we know that you probably have, like, one or two really awful teams in this league. But, I mean, even the Jets have won a couple in a row as, as home underdogs. It's This is what the NFL is. Sure. And I had the Jets last week against Jacksonville in that quirky game. Jets were in command, and then Josh McCown tried the pass or the lateral, whatever that was. It got picked up by Miles Jack for an 80-yard touchdown, turned the whole game around for Jacksonville, got the game into overtime, but eventually the Jets found a, a way to win that one. And, and to your point, uh, road underdogs not only covering but getting the outright win in the NFL last week. Buffalo, as you mentioned, at Atlanta. The Rams at Dallas. I mean, hard to figure, but everybody does have talent for the most part with maybe the exception of the Cleveland Browns, uh, who are who are comedy uh, for, the, for the most part right now with the way that they're going. So that's the NFL. Back to the college game and trying to figure some of this uh, out. You know, I, I was high on Washington State just because Mike Leach had been so good at home. The stat is now 9-for-9 nine nine in the last three years. Straight-up wins in Pac-12 home games. A lot of people were touting USC as a potential college football playoff Final Four team. Washington State handled them, and some of the luster now off of Sam Darnold after that game. Kevin, what do you make of USC? Do you believe they could still be viable down the stretch and get into the college football playoff, or did that expose some things the other night in Pullman, Washington? It's only one loss, and and with the college football playoff, you can lose a game and still be fine. You know, I mean, this isn't like it was a few years ago where you lose one and your season's over with. They lost on the road to a a Washington State team, like you mentioned, that's been you know, un, pretty much unbeatable at home in Pac-12 play, and we'll see if Washington State, you know, they face Oregon this weekend on the road, you know, if they don't get tripped up there, I know Oregon's had some injuries, but you know, you can have a couple teams lose a game. Clemson, look at them, they lost a game last year, and they won the national championship, so I'm not ready to close the door yet, I'm not ready to close it on Sam Darnold yet, I mean, I even saw on his first touchdown, or the one that USC scored, the, the play before he scored and that one that and he made some incredible athletic plays there. And yeah, he didn't play that well. I mean, is this, uh, what's his name? The coach of USC, um, Clay Helton. Yeah. Clay Helton, Clay Helton. Thank you. Clay Helton. I mean, is he holding him back? I mean, is that what, what it possibly is that you don't have Sarkeesian there who can, you know, who's an offensive mastermind is Clay Helton holding him back a little bit. You know, that's a question, but, it's early, and I understand that Western Michigan gave a run for their money early. So did Texas. But, you know, again, they're playing pretty good competition. Western Michigan still was a 12-win team last year. Texas is still Texas, you know. Yep. And we, we say I let this thing unfold. And I'm not ready when a team loses a game to totally bail on them. I mean, if you want to bail on Tennessee, go right ahead. You know, if you want to bail on some of these other teams that have some bad performances, go ahead. But but one game, you lose at the end, I'm not ready to bail on them yet. Well, and speaking of that, again, as uh, we talk along here and kind of morph into the college game, I mean, Tennessee 
just getting freight trained by Georgia in a rivalry game. I am shocked as we're sitting here midweek that Butch Jones is still the coach. I mean, that's the kind of game that gets you fired. When your team is sleepwalking against a rival, you're already embattled as it is. Uh, it amazes me that they didn't pull the trigger. I guess part of it is they know they still have to pay him the buyout. Part of it maybe they're not sure who on the staff would be a better option as an interim coach. But you, you may see Tennessee sleepwalk like this again, or maybe a couple of times, and they may have no choice but to do this after that game. And also, I mean, the SEC is taking some knocks now with LSU losing at home to Troy, and the, and the Ed Orgeron honeymoon is clearly over. Uh, with that loss at home to the Troy Trojans, and now LSU has to play Florida at Florida, which could be a third loss. LSU might lose four or five games now this year under Orgeron, and that's looking like it may be a mistake, Kevin Rogers, that when USC didn't make Orgeron the permanent head coach a couple of years ago, speaking of Sarkeesian and his dismissal, and instead they went with Clay Helton off the same staff, that LSU may be learning the hard way that there's a reason why that you don't make Ed Orgeron the head coach? Well, a couple of things. Let's first go with Tennessee, all right? And I don't think Butch Jones is getting fired this year. You don't see that happen that often just because you want to finish it out. This guy's definitely done. You can't tell this guy's not done after this year. I mean, the way things have gone, and they don't have a lot of patience there in Knoxville, which I understand. But also, they should have lost the Georgia Tech game. You know, UMass gave them a lot of problems. I get that that Florida they lost at the end in the final seconds on the Hail Mary. But Georgia Tech, they were dead in that game. And then you get blown out by Georgia. I mean, Georgia's going to win the SEC East probably this year. So there's no shame in losing to Georgia. It's just a shame in losing to Georgia the way they did after beating them. You know, Tennessee beat them the last two years, you, you know, in the final few minutes. So, you know, Georgia, I'm sure, had a lot to play for in that game. But, uh, you know, Tennessee's obviously in big-time trouble. And then when you look at LSU, that was just to- – I don't know if that was just an emotional decision with Les Miles and why they let him go. They lost that controversial ending to Auburn last year, and then he got fired. Remember, they put time back on the clock. Right. And then he ends up getting fired. And the guy who did a pretty good job replacing Nick Saban there. And, you know, they bring an orange on. He's a different kind of guy. You know, he's a fiery guy, a player's coach. You know, it, it just seems you – know, he looks like you're, you know, you're training the conditioning coaches running your team. Like, that's kind of the guy – that, that's doing it, but I, that's why I don't like when these when these programs say, "Okay, you're going to be the guy after a nice finish. Let's just give you the contract." Like, yep. why don't you see what else is out there? It's still a good job. Well, and you can't tell me that uh, there aren't some big time coaches. They missed out on Jimbo Fisher. They tried to flirt with him and couldn't get him. But there there are some coaches, Chip Kelly, who's doing broadcasting right now, and some other coaches that would love the opportunity to be at LSU after what Miles, what Nick Saban before him were able to do. Um, and in Orgeron's case, one more on this, it seems like we're piling on, but he, he was terrible at Ole Miss. And some guys are good assistant coaches or maybe even good coordinators. But And Kevin, I know you were in part saying this. When it is suddenly your decision on what's the game plan, when it's suddenly your decision on who's your staff, who's your offensive and defensive coordinator, who are your guys, when it's suddenly your decision on who's playing, who's a reserve, who's no longer on the team anymore, those are things within Ed Orgeron's control in the last six, eight months since he was named as the head coach. 
those are things that escaped him when he was at Ole Miss, and maybe it is obvious that uh, that he still has shortcomings in being able to figure this out. And if he doesn't figure it out quickly, I, I will say this too, right here in the first Saturday of October, people are talking about a $12 million buyout for him, Kevin. LSU has a war chest of money, has massive donors, has, has a river of money flowing in from the SEC network and from the conference. As ludicrous as it might sound, they can write a $12 million check and start over and say this was a mistake. We bought into all the hype. We bought into him winning games at the end of last year, including the bowl game with Louisville. So I don't think that stops them if this gets bad. If Florida rolls them, if they lose four or five times, Alabama beats them bad, and they lose four or five times this season, they might contemplate making the change. Quick comment from you. Do you believe the $12 million buyout ensures he'll be back? No, if it's bad enough, I mean, they almost lost to Syracuse. They lost to Troy. You know, they get blown out by Mississippi State. You know, if they have a bad performance against Florida this week, I'm not saying you fire them this week, but, you know, you're right. These, it's not a private school. It's a public school. Like, they have the money. They have the donors. They could, they could pull it together. If they're that desperate to get rid of this guy to say, here's $12 million to get the hell out of here, then they will do it and try to find the right guy. Obviously, I didn't think Jimbo was going to go because Jimbo was locked in at Florida State. But Chip Kelly, he's available. I mean, guys are, like, really available. And there are those coaches that, you know, you can just grab that are names and not someone who came from, you know, like a mid-major and you're going to put them up. No, you need, like, a Chip Kelly at LSU. You need somebody like, you know, somebody like that. And if they're that desperate, they'll eat the money and say, you know what, let's start all over again if this ensures us being back towards the top of the SEC. Especially when the guy you're dealing with is not a proven head coach. At least in Butch Jones's case, back to Tennessee, he had proven it at Cincinnati, had proven it before that at Central Michigan. Ed Orgeron's proven nothing as a head coach. Sounds like we're picking on him and piling on him, but he's proven nothing. It is Three Dog Thursday. He's Kevin Rogers, Senior Handicapper, Vegas Insider. TJ Reeves with you as we percolate along. Let's get to the picks. People have been waiting on our picks this week for college football. I believe you're going to go with two college football games. So where do you want to start for this week with the underdogs, sir? We will start in the ACC with an old Biggies matchup, Pitt and Syracuse. They are hooking up to me. They're still Big East teams, not ACC teams, but that's besides the point. That uh, the two teams are facing off at the Carrier Dome this week. And interestingly enough, this is Dino Baber's second season as the head coach of the Orange. This is the first time that they are going to be favored in ACC play. So that is something to keep an eye on. And they've already been favored a few times this year. They played Central Connecticut in their first game. They blew them out. But they lost to Middle Tennessee State, a Middle Tennessee State team that got blown out by Vanderbilt in Week 1. And they, they ended up beating Central Michigan pretty badly in uh, Week 3. And they, they're coming off back-to-back losses, close losses. All right, They hung with LSU, and they covered against NC State last week. I watched a lot of that game. I had NC State on the site, and NC State was up big in that game and Syracuse came back and they got the cover and you know whatever but now Syracuse is a short favorite now Pittsburgh if you look at them that they've been a pretty good road underdog the last few seasons they beat Clemson last year remember so you know they definitely have confidence on the road they had that bad performance against Mason Rudolph and Oklahoma State at home they also lost big to Penn State so you know they have some losses there against some pretty proven competitions so there's nothing wrong with that but they're getting about three, three-and-a-half points this week at the Carrier Dome. I just think that Syracuse, I don't know how you can trust the lane points. You know, maybe as a big underdog, you take them. But here, you know, Syracuse isn't great defensively. But then the lay points, i got to take the points with Pitt. Interesting. All right, so there are 
not a lot of great games this week, but you went to the ACC for one. One that is traditionally one of the games to watch is the Florida State-Miami game. Now, we should say at the time that we're talking here that the game is is still scheduled to be played on Saturday on October the 7th. Again, it's Three Dog Thursday, and this is already a makeup from Hurricane Irma having moved this game back in September from when it was supposed to be played the second week of the season. This tropical depression that's going to eventually in the uh, Gulf of Mexico become Hurricane Nate could could threaten this game later in the week. So again, you may be listening to the show here, and they, they may decide to accelerate this game and play it Friday. Kevin, I can't fathom that Florida State and Miami don't play at all when they've got time to play the game and accelerate the game if they need be. Again, we're kind of flying a little blind. You may be listening to the show later in the weekend, and you already know what did or didn't happen. But i got to believe, even with a hurricane potentially threatening on the weekend, they're going to find a way to play this game because these two teams don't have a mutual bye week the rest of the year, and they both factor into the ACC championship or at least deciding the ACC championship game participants. So they got to find a way to play this game. Just real quick, Florida State and Miami at Doe Campbell Stadium somehow, some way. You know what? If you got to play that game at 9 in the morning on Saturday to ensure that they get out of town and do what you do, seriously, then you do it. I mean, find Or maybe a, yeah, Friday night. Find a way to we play don't know. Maybe, any, maybe Friday, Friday night, right? Anytime you have to play it, you find a way to play it. You know what? You open up a spot on ESPN News or you find something. <laughs> I always know it's TV. TV rules everything, but you find a way anytime to play it to get this game in. Yeah, no doubt. Food Channel with Rachel Ray, if she has to do the commentary, whatever you have to do to play it. And I'm going to go right there for my underdog. You know, it's very rare that Florida State is a home underdog. Kevin Rogers, go ahead. Pose the question. How rare is it? That Florida State's a home how underdog. Ra- how rare have how rare is a, of an occurrence? I, you that know, I'm glad that you asked. In the Jimbo Fisher era, are you ready? Uno once. It was a year ago. They were an underdog one time last season at home. Uh, that we're talking about, and that was against Deshaun Watson and Clemson, and that's it in the Jimbo era that they've been a home underdog. I know Florida State, uh, with the hurricane canceling two of their games, uh, struggled to get their offense going without DeAndre Francois in uh, their two matchups with NC State. Now, they played better in the second half of the game with Wake Forest. They ran it for over 200 yards, and then the the new quarterback, James Blackman, the freshman, threw the game-winning touchdown pass in the final moments of the game. So I know there's a lot of reasons to knock Florida State, but this Miami team also suffered through a couple of of weeks off because of the hurricane. Didn't look great against Toledo. Looked better against Duke, but I don't know how good Duke is, especially defensively this year. Uh, Mark Walton is is an excellent running back. He's battling a bit of an ankle injury. I just like Florida State at home. Getting them as a home underdog is so rare. Whenever this game is played, like we're joking, whether it's played on Saturday, whether they ended up uh, playing it on Thursday morning, whatever the case is on Three Dog Thursday, uh, Knowles and Canes, give me Florida State to win this game outright at home, and I'll take the three and a half points on Three Dog Thursday and that ACC showdown to hand Miami their first loss of the year. So there is my college underdog. I'm going to go with two NFL underdogs in our next segment. You're going to go with one more college underdog, though, Kevin Rogers, before we're done in this segment, sir. Yes, we'll go to the Big Ten, and you know Penn State keeps winning. They're they're doing a great job under James Franklin this year. You know, trying to be one of those top four teams for the college football playoff. But they go to Northwestern and they face Pat Fitzgerald and the Wildcats, who got up on Wisconsin last week. Wisconsin ran away with the game. Northwestern got the cover in the end. 
But now, you know, Penn State goes to Evanston to take on Northwestern, double-digit favorites in this one. And you know, Northwestern's beaten Penn State the last two times out, and I understand different teams, all about all the changes through the years. But at the same time, you know, Penn State goes into the bye after this. They get Michigan following it that, I don't know, this look ahead, you know, whatever you want to say, that we're just waiting for Penn State to really have that flat performance. I know that they needed a touchdown in the final seconds to beat Iowa a few weeks ago. But uh, for Northwestern, you know, this is a team that, you know, really needs to get on track after losing that game on the road at Wisconsin. And uh, I think just with this many points, uh, an early kickoff there at noon, that, uh, you know, probably a, a good chance to, uh, to probably go with Northwestern here. We've seen Penn State, you know, play a lot of these games, you know, later in the day, and now you're going the road for that early kickoff. I'm going to go with Northwestern at the points. Interesting in the Big Ten. And, of course, as you mentioned, the last time we saw Penn State, the last-second win, you've got McSorley at quarterback. Of course, uh, they, they had the last-second win with Iowa on the big stage. They won easily last week. Don't kick the ball off to Saquon Barkley. Can we agree on that, Kevin? They kicked off last week to Saquon Barkley, and he ran it back 100 yards for a touchdown. Don't, don't do that. If he's back there, kick the ball out of bounds if you can't kick it out of the end zone to keep him from taking it to the house. Uh, but, again, Northwestern getting a ton of points uh, in this matchup in that early start on Saturday. We'll see how they do. Kevin, stand by. We've got the NFL coming up. I'm looking forward to seeing who Kevin takes this week. I've got two NFL underdogs on the way. It's all part of Three Dog Thursday. Stay with us. Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by FanPlayoff.com. Play postseason fantasy football like you never have before for free coming this January. Find out more by going to FanPlayoff.com. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reed. Oh, as we do continue, it is the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs in college football in the NFL. And Kevin Rogers, we need to say thank you to the peeps, to the listeners, to the audience that's finding us, whether it's on RadioInfluence.com, or whether it is on iTunes, Stitcher, and podcast form. You guys are doing a great job at VegasInsider.com of promoting this show. We had the best month of audience that we have had in the three years of doing Three Dog Thursday. In fact, we had a couple of episodes that were the most listened to episodes ever uh, individually a couple of times in September. So now we're starting October. October, spread the word on Three Dog Thursday via iTunes by rating the show, ranking the show to move it up. Uh, help us on social media spread the word when you see us tweeting about this show and remarking about this show. Share it out. And our friends at RadioInfluence.com, thank you for uh, their help in promoting this show and housing the show. But, Kevin, just a quick comment from you. The audience is loving what we're doing with the underdogs and the good selections, and we, we want to encourage them. Spread the word, right? Tell more people about Three Dog Thursday. Absolutely, and it does help when we win too. I mean, if we went zero three every week, that you know would help business. But uh, you know, to win definitely helps. So uh, keep it up. We love you, fans. Yes, and five of six between the two of us last week, including the first three for three that I hit this week. So again, we've covered college games. I'll go over those again at the end of the show. But now on to the NFL. I will start first. And and Kevin, uh, we'll stick with kind of the Florida theme just a little bit on the show. 
the Miami Dolphins are coming back home to take on the Tennessee Titans in a uh, in a matchup of of interest because Miami is one and two off a very bad performance in London. They don't end up getting a bye week. They come straight back home to play off of the bye week against a Tennessee team that at the time we're talking, Marcus Mariota is a question mark, the quarterback with an injured hamstring. Dolphins still getting some points here. Uh, you are in South Florida. I, I'm obviously going to take the Dolphins, but give me a quick comment here. With Jay Cutler looking shaky, the Dolphins were a playoff team last year. Just give me a quick comment on the temperature in, in Miami right now. Are they panicking on the Dolphins? The offense is terrible. Simple as that. I mean, they shouldn't have they should have been shut out two straight uh, games. That They scored a touchdown in the final seconds against the Jets. They didn't score against the Saints. And, and the whole game went downhill in the first possession. They, they had the ball for eight and a half minutes. Went right down the field. They completed a big pass to Julius Thomas. They got inside the five, and then Jake Cutler, for some reason, was like a hot potato. He throws up a fade to Thomas in the end zone instead of Jay Ajayi having him run the ball. It gets intercepted, and then they just didn't do anything else. It, it just, I don't know. The offense just isn't going anywhere. They, they have all these weapons out there, and it's not working right now. Well, see, and that's one of my theories, is I believe they have too many weapons to be this bad offensively, so... I'm kind of liking them to have a bit of a breakout game. Of course, a breakout game for them might be two touchdowns uh, at this point. We'll see if that's the case uh, for what Cutler can do. I, I I think he's better than what he has shown. I think some of his fundamentals, Kevin, have been bad with his footwork and throwing the ball off his back foot. So I, I'm going to go Jay Cutler and the Miami Dolphins back home. This is the latest that the Dolphins have opened at home since going back to the 1987 strike season where they had their home game canceled, uh, one home game canceled during the strike. It's the latest Miami has ever opened at home. Again, Hurricane Irma had something to do with that. Dolphins back at home. Mariota, a question mark. Again, the line may move if Mariota is ruled out. So if you're listening to us on the weekend, you're listening to us on Three Dog Thursday on Sunday, you may know that Mariota is ruled out for this game. We don't know that right now, and the line may change because of it. But right now... He's slated to possibly play. The Dolphins are an underdog. I'm going for a second straight home underdog on Three Dog Thursday. After taking Florida State as a home underdog, give me the Miami Dolphins to get the run game on track, to do enough to win this game. Cutler will be better. I think the Dolphins will win the game, and I will take the points with them on Three Dog Thursday. Where do you want to go for your underdog selection in the NFL? Kevin Rogers. I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals this week. They're in Philadelphia to take on the Eagles, and I know everyone likes to talk about the cross-country thing, which, you know, show me the numbers where it's really true, where teams that uh, that struggle going from west to east. And for Arizona, they're coming off an ugly overtime win over San Francisco, but at this point, a win's a win. And you know, for the Eagles, I feel like I don't have a good temperature on them this year that, that I've been off. Every time I go against them, I lose. I take them, I lose. So, you know, I'm going to try this week and hope to, to get it right. But for the Eagles, you know, coming off a couple close wins, you know, over the Chargers last week and beating the Giants a few weeks ago, you know, they were about five-point favorites, I think, in that game against the Giants, and the Giants came back after they were shut out the first three quarters and took the lead on the Eagles, filled up, gets tied, and then kicked that 61-yard field goal. But I just think with Arizona that, uh, you know, that NFC West, it's really wide open. Even though the Rams have been the surprise this year, Seattle came out the good performance last week against Indianapolis in the second half. Arizona's still not out of this race. And if Arizona can find a way to win some games, you know, maybe they can come back to, uh, 
to the pack and be you know legitimate playoff team. So I think here getting points going out east to Philadelphia, I think that they uh, they hang with the Eagles. Well, and for the Cardinals, they have a road win earlier this year. Found a way to win in overtime against the Colts. Uh, the Eagles again, to to your point, went east to west all the way out to L.A. and won off that emotional last second field goal win over the Giants. Didn't bother them. They found a way to beat the Chargers. Which, which, by the way, the NFL experimenting with moving the Chargers to L.A. and putting them in a 30,000-seat soccer stadium, that they're already putting tarps over the seats. They, they've blocked off like 3,000 of the seats now and lowered the capacity. And it was still all Eagles fans last week. And even more scary, Kevin Rogers, I don't know if you saw this, but the television ratings in Los Angeles for the Dol- did you hear about this? The Dolphins Saints London game, which was on at six thirty in the morning Sunday morning in Southern California and in the LA market, that got a higher rating than the Chargers and the Eagles, which was on at one o'clock in the afternoon on CBS in LA or on Fox in LA, whatever channel it was on. That's scary for the NFL that the Chargers have not taken hold. So, again, the Eagles beat them last week, and now they come back home, crisscross back home to play against Arizona. And uh, you're right about the NFC West with uh, Seattle. I know they struggled at times, even though they blew away the Colts eventually in the fourth quarter of that game, and now the Rams at 3-1 and one are, are looking good. The NFC West may very well be wide open uh, in the NFL. All right, one underdog left, and we go to, yes, Sunday night football and the Houston Texans. Texans taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I, I, Deshaun Watson, um, I, I said, and again, this is documented numerous times, numerous places leading up to the draft. I said it repeatedly on the draft night coverage on Buccaneers Radio at Raymond James Stadium while we were on the air for what seemed like about seven hours, that there were going to be teams apparently who were going to pass on him early in the draft and make a serious mistake, Kevin Rogers. And Deshaun Watson is living up to everything I and many others thought he would be. Dabo Sweeney repeatedly told NFL executives publicly, privately, you you are passing on a tremendous quarterback. You are essentially passing on a Michael Jordan-type player to help your team. I mean, obviously, I like the Texans this week, but give me a thought on what you've seen out of Deshaun Watson, particularly last week when they just destroyed Tennessee and he looked brilliant. Yeah, and, uh, you know, so when you look at the Texans, and they've had so many questions at quarterback why Bill O'Brien was messing around and starting Tom Savage. I, I, I don't understand the thought process of, oh, the rookie quarterback, he's not ready. But well, what's your alternative? None. So why don't you go with the guy? It's like the same thing in Chicago with Mike Glennon. Like, why are you waiting this long to get Trubisky in? You know, just give these guys a shot. There's obviously a shortage of really good NFL quarterbacks. And you see Deshaun Watson, what he did in college at Clemson. And, you know, what he did against Cincinnati with that 50-yard touchdown run in uh, in week two. Mm. And, yeah, he's been tremendous. He's got good weapons at running back and at receiver. So, you know, I, I think that Bill O'Brien, not that he looks like a genius, but I think the Texans look pretty smart considering where they took him. And, you know, you see other quarterbacks, they're not getting an opportunity, you know, like Pat Mahomes in Kansas City. You know, Alex Smith, look at what he's done. Maybe they could have taken someone else with that pick. You know, so it's, uh, you know, it's working out for the Texans and they finally have a quarterback. Well, and you look, I mean, the Browns passed and took Miles Garrett, who's yet to be on the field. Maybe he will be this weekend in the game with the Jets. The Bears trade up with the 49ers to take Trubisky. And, and are, are we seriously believing that Trubisky is going to be better in the NFL than Deshaun Watson? I don't think there's anything that supports that as of yet. The Jaguars could have taken him. They wanted Fournette. 
there, there are numerous, the 49ers themselves, who picked defensive players in the first round, could have maybe taken Deshaun Watson and solved their quarterback issue. So again, uh, we'll see. And I obviously like Houston at home, Kansas City off the Monday night win in the shorter week here. Uh, Texans have also had uh, great success in the postseason beating the Chiefs a couple of times. I, I, just, I like the Houston Texans here uh, in this instance, uh, in this matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs. I know Alex Smith played well on Monday night football. Chiefs got pretty good defense. Houston, though, will be amped up, and Deshaun Watson has revitalized them, including making plays with the legs. I'll take the one-and-a-half points and Houston uh, in the NFL. Um, yeah, and we'll see how that plays out. Trubisky, by the way, will start the Monday night game with the Chicago Bears as the weekend uh, unfolds here. All right, Kevin Rogers, we are coming to the end of another edition of Three Dog Thursday. We've, we've talked so much uh, about these games and matchups, but the audience can find much more written information, insight, facts, analysis through VegasInsider.com. Tell them more. Absolutely, and you can check out all of our write-ups. You can look at college football, our Big Ten report, our our Saturday previews, tech trends for both the NFL and college if you want to study things that way. And also for the NFL, my pick six column, I take a look at six games and give you my picks in that one. Our Monday night preview, our total talk preview, all the numbers are there. All of the odds are there on the site that are free of charge to look at. And, of course, you know, like we mentioned, NHL, baseball, NBA starting up, all of those things. So if you want to broaden your horizons past football, you can take a look at all of that and check out our Twitter all the time at TwitVI and also, of course, VegasInsider.com. Okay, so check those out. You can follow Kevin as well, at VI Rogers for his tweets. He's a funny follow on Twitter. I do say that. I brag. I, I tout you publicly here on that. You can follow this show at 3Dog Thursday on Twitter, at the number 3, 3Dog Thursday. Find out more about it as well, 3DogThursday.com. Kevin, have a great weekend. Good luck with Northwestern against Penn State, Pitt against Syracuse on the road, and the Arizona Cardinals on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles. Good luck with those games. Enjoy all the football this weekend. Thank you, too, TJ. There is Kevin Rogers, VegasInsider.com. Again, I'll take Florida State against Miami in that rescheduled game for the first hurricane. Will the other hurricane potentially bother it this weekend? We'll see. I also will stay in Florida and take the Dolphins at home against the Titans as an underdog and the Texans on Sunday Night Football. Again, it's the only digital radio show devoted to underdogs. It is Three Dog Thursday. Our thanks again to our friends at RadioInfluence.com. Whether you're listening there, on iTunes, subscribe to the show, Stitcher, subscribe to the show spread the word about three dog thursday enjoy the games we'll talk to you next week this is the landry football with chris landry quick fix on radio influence something that is topical and i don't want to get into the um a lot of details of the specifics of the whole college basketball scandal but i want to at least touch on how it could have an effect and where this might affect future of college football is college basketball recruiting is different than college football recruiting, but there's certain elements that I think are transferable and potentially harmful as we go down the road of this path. But I want to, as it particularly pertains to the big news of the day uh, yesterday with the firing of longtime athletic director Tom Jurich at Louisville, and uh, Rick Pitino, uh, the basketball coach. Now, these are two guys that uh, would not uh, rank very high on the character list of individuals that um, 
while they've had success at points and times in their careers, certainly um, in jo- Tom Jurich's case has been an enabler. Uh, and uh, this is uh, one of a long line of many issues that Rick Pitino's had off the field scandals, uh, not just uh, minor things either, scandals. Uh, he would have never survived uh, any of those um, had it not been for his uh, success on the court as a basketball coach. But, you know, what does it really mean for Louisville and Bob Petrino, the football coach there? Remember that uh, this was another um, character flawed guy that Tom Jurich hired, not once but twice at Louisville. Um, Bob is mostly known for walking out on the Falcons and uh, getting in a motorcycle accident and lying to his superiors at Arkansas uh, about uh, having a an affair with a volleyball player slash you know. Uh, young um, uh, office assistant that he hired, um, and he was known for those two things. But he's also known for a guy that um, is kind of underhanded in a lot of his dealings in the coaching profession. Um, he's a guy that's got uh, a huge, huge closet that's full of skeletons. And really, no one knew that more than Tom Jurich, but hired him a second time. But now he's gone. A couple of things factually that you need to know. The buyout of, you know, if, if he were to leave, goes down by half if Tom Jurich is fired. Well, we know that Tom, the process of Tom Jurich's firing is, is undergoing right now. Um, you know, for people who may be wondering, well, why didn't they just fire Patino and Jurich? Why did they go with the monkeying around of the suspensions and unpaid leave. Well, there are legal renderings here, and there's money being owed. In the case of Rick Pitino and his lawyer, he wants $44 million on top of, you know, the embarrassment of what he's done to himself, the sport, the university. He wants to be paid the $44 million. While that's unmitigated gall to the nth degree, um, this is what Louisville is legally fighting right now. So, uh, all the legal maneuverings of, you know, unpaid leave, they're gone. Tom Jurich and Rick Pitino, they're gone, and they won't resurface at Louisville and maybe not anywhere. Um, but what does it mean for Petrino? Um, well, it means that he can leave. Does he want to leave? I don't think there's any doubt that he's not going to be comfortable being at Louisville with a new administration that's going to have to clean things up and I don't think he's going to fit the profile of a clean guy that uh, that they want leading their program into the future. Chris Landry brings you Landry Football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and, of course, RadioInfluence.com.